And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast. And bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, we have now passed through the panic stage of the coronavirus, and we have now entered the mass hysteria phase. And at this point, as I predicted uh, some weeks, I guess it's been about two weeks ago, the reaction to this Wuhan virus is a far greater risk than the actual virus itself. And if you watch the media, you can tell that they are doing all they can to whip up mass hysteria because it's good for their ratings. And if you watch the Democrats, it's hard to draw any other conclusion that they're, they're downright excited about all of this. They think it's going to uh, work in their favor in these 2020 elections and that it's going to somehow uh, allow them to elect uh, a, an octogenarian with a severe case of cognitive decline to, to beat the incumbent president who has up until this point, uh, had a very successful economy. And I think it's time we stop calling this a pandemic. The World Health Organization labeled it uh, that last week, and as soon as they did, that's, uh, that's when the market really uh, bit the dust. I think it's stop, uh, time we stop calling it a pandemic and start calling it a dim panic because they are using it uh, – Joe Biden was out after he gave a speech yesterday, actually uh, raising money off of the Dem panic. And we're going to get to Joe Biden's press conference that he held yesterday on the coronavirus. Uh, it did not inspire any confidence in the markets. And shortly after he finished the press conference, after the Fed had had uh, injected a trillion dollars into the economy, uh, Joe Biden gave his rambling, low-energy, incoherent speech, and then the market, after rallying uh, after, uh, on the Fed's uh, quantitative easing, as they like to call it, Joe Biden gave his speech, and the markets uh, uh, took another dive, and they closed yesterday. The Dow was down 1,400 points. Not all of this can be attributed to the coronavirus. A lot of this is because of the oil price war that Russia and uh, Saudi Arabia are engaged in. It's showing up at the pumps already, which is uh, unusual. Usually the price at the pump uh, is a, a lags far behind the actual uh, uh, decreases in the crude oil prices, but uh, they're showing up at the pump already. I bought gas yesterday, filled up all the cars uh, for less than $2 a gallon here in Florida. 
you know, I was watching the close of the stock market yesterday and they've got this uh, routine where they have one of the new IPOs ring the closing bell. And I just wondered, how'd you like to be one of these IPOs? You struggle for years to get to the point where you can, uh, you know, uh, get on the Dow board and uh, they, they put you up there to celebrate on the day that the Dow closes down 1400 points, the biggest drop point wise, not percentage wise, but point wise since 1987. I got a clip here. This is a report from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange at yesterday's closing bell. with a circuit breaker that halted all markets for 15 minutes. A lot of the traders here expected that move. Then you had the federal, the New York Fed, come out injecting $1.5 trillion today and tomorrow in the repurchasing market. A lot of movement, and yet we still finished the day down. Almost 10% lower for the Dow at 21,200 points. Look at the S&P, almost 10% as well, uh, 9.5% lower. Same thing with the Nasdaq, so complete negative territory. You guys all talked about it, but this is a historical day, the biggest drop we've seen since that crash in 1987. I was only two years old at that point. But let's take a look at some of those Dow losers for the day. Uh, we've got Dow that's been on there the entire day. Boeing, Boeing taking a major beating. The stock was halted earlier today. Uh, then you have Walt Disney on there, IBM, American Express. But I want to switch over to some of the travel stocks that we've been paying attention to today, more specifically the cruise lines, because we know... A lot of people have been warned not to take cruises, and now Carnival has announced that they are voluntarily telling a princess, stop, stopping all the princess cruises uh, for the next 60 days or so. You can see their stock down just like 31% uh, today. And then lastly, airlines. You've got airlines that have been tumbling dramatically, United plunging more than 24%. This is on the news that the president asked no flights from the certain areas of the EU, the vast majority of the EU for that matter, except for the UK, uh, to enter the United States starting, starting tomorrow. And that has caused all of the airlines to sell off dramatically. CEOs and executives of those airlines have all said they are willing to take pay cuts. They announced that big day here on the trading floor. Back to you guys. Well, one interesting side effect of this collapse of the travel industry flights is um, that this is a great time for young people to see the world. Uh, I guess they... Uh, they can't, I guess, well, maybe they can fly into Europe and, and come back because they're an American citizen. They'd have to go through a rigorous screening, screening process. And there are parts of Europe still that are unaffected because they uh, they secure their borders, talking about Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, I think there's only one or two confirmed cases in Czechoslovakia at this point. But, you know, if you were wanting to go uh, to the South Pacific uh, and you were a young person, you can get cheap flights. And the risk to you would be relatively minimal because even if you catch the coronavirus and you're uh, under 30 years old, uh, the fatality rate is uh, is right in line with the common flu. Not that you'd want to catch the flu, but uh, you could take precautions and uh, and and fly, get some serious travel deals if you're a young person. So, despite the the frenzy, the mass hysteria that the Democrats and the media have whipped up. And let's, let's face it. A big part of this is uh, they're trying to use this for their political means. Despite that, uh, Donald Trump's approval rating is up. 
he, uh, despite the fact that he's getting like almost a hundred percent negative media, uh, and, and just, you know, coming out of three years of being hammered, his approval rating, uh, went up to 48% in the most recent Rasmussen poll. They have been the most accurate. They were the ones that accurately, um, you know, gave Donald Trump a legitimate chance to win the 2016 presidential election. All of the others uh, said, you know, it was in the bag for Hillary. And Trump's approval rating at this point in his presidency is one point higher than Barack Obama's was. So that's pretty interesting that despite the fact that the Democrats are trying to blame a virus on this president, his approval rating uh, still goes up. It gives you some uh, faith and confidence in in people's ability to see through all of this uh, this misinformation coming out of the media. Mass hysteria. I was at Lowe's yesterday buying some uh, some building supplies, and apparently the word got out that Lowe's was receiving a shipment of toilet paper, and I just happened to wander down that aisle, and there were people lined up. Cleaning them out of toilet paper, they had the uh, the ladder out, and the uh, the the uh, clerk there was uh, getting toilet paper off of the top shelf, and people were filling up their shopping carts. They were buying enough toilet paper to last them a year. And I, you know, I, I don't know what these people are thinking. I did get one uh, one package of toilet paper myself, <laughs> but I don't know what these these people are thinking. Uh, you know, what was really funny is uh, when they were almost sold out of toilet paper and they had more people lined up uh, than there was toilet paper to, uh, to to buy, the shelf of paper towels was sitting right next to it, fully stocked. <laughs> These people now understand that you could use uh, paper towels just as easily as you could use toilet paper. Hell, for that matter, you could go over to Costco and get copies of Hillary Clinton's book, uh, you know, What Happened. I think that's that thing's discounted to about 95 cents now. I know it would be rough, <laughs> but desperate times call for desperate measures, and at least it would give Hillary's book and all those trees that died uh, needlessly to publish it a purpose. But Joe Biden held his news conference yesterday on the coronavirus, it was almost an hour late, and uh, you were able to go to the feed on YouTube before it started and see what was going on. They were stuck on technical difficulties. They, they, they had a, a hum in the microphone, and it took them almost an hour to address it. Now, that's not that terribly difficult. You start at one end of the circuit and you isolate it uh, and you go to the other end, isolating each connection along the way and you isolate the problem and, and replace it. If it's a bad cable or it's a bad channel on your mixer or whatever. So Joe Biden's telling us that uh, he's the one to solve the coronavirus, but he doesn't have uh, a, a staff that's even able to solve the most basic uh, audio-visual circuit. But Biden's, uh, Biden's address was low energy. Man, he, he was stumbling and mumbling and stuttering when it began. He sort of hit his stride, but 
throughout the the speech, it was very low energy, and you got the feeling at any time that uh, that he was going to have to sit down. It went on eighteen minutes. Um, there, his staff is now limiting his campaign speeches to seven minutes. So I guess this was sort of a marathon for Joe to have to talk for eighteen minutes. He uh, he began the speech by criticizing Donald Trump's travel bans. Health and safety of the American people first, above everything else. Yesterday, we announced a public health advisory committee of experts who will continue to counsel my campaign and me, help guide our decisions on the steps to minimize further risks. And we also, we will lead by science. World Health Organization now has officially, officially declared COVID-19 a pandemic. Downplaying it, being overly dismissive, or spreading misinformation is only going to hurt us and further advantage the spread of the disease. So he's bragging about he's going to he's going to bring scientists in and he's going to get the best thinking. Isn't that exactly what the Trump administration is doing? I mean, you don't have to look very far. Every day, Vice President Pence, who the president put in charge of this effort, could you imagine if Obama had ever put uh, Joe Biden in charge of uh, the SARS outbreak or the H1N1? It would have been an even worse disaster than what it was. But uh, he, he brags about... He, and this was a recurring theme throughout his speech. He's basically going through a laundry list of things that he would do that Trump is in fact doing already. But this is the part of the clip where uh, he he starts um, criticizing the president for his travel bans. But neither should we panic or fall back on xenophobia. Labeling COVID-19 a foreign virus does not displace accountability for the misjudgments that have been taken thus far by the Trump administration. Now, you will notice that he doesn't name any of these misjudgments that he cites. This is a common Democrat tactic. They just make an accusation with no no actual examples. Let me be crystal clear. The coronavirus does not have a political affiliation. It will infect Republicans, independents, and Democrats alike. It will not discriminate based on national origin, race, gender, or zip code. Well, thanks for that blinding insight, Joe. It will touch people in positions of power as well as the most vulnerable in our society. And it will not stop. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world may slow it, but as we've seen, it will not stop it. Well, you know, uh, Joe Biden was one of the very early critics of Trump's travel ban from China called it xenophobic and racist way back then. But in that speech, he says that uh, that's not the solution, but then he admits it will slow it. Don't we want to slow it? Isn't that the whole point? You know, you're not going to be able to wipe it out, but isn't the point to slow it down to allow the public health system to catch up? The travel ban from China and now from Europe are absolutely what should have been done. I really don't understand why he exempted the United Kingdom. Um, and I, I, I've tried to find an answer to that. I can't, but most certainly, uh, the, the most recent cases, the outbreaks on the East coast, especially have been seeded the word they like to use, uh, from travelers from Europe. So absolutely the travel ban was, uh, was necessary. Um, 
I think his name is Jerome Fauci, Dr. Fauci, who the uh, Democrats like to uh, sing his praises because they can sometimes uh, find, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, daylight between the president uh, through Fauci's statements. They tried to pin him down and get him to say that these travel bans were not effective and he was uh, not having any of it. I I think it absolutely has. I believe if we did not do that with China early on. What about with Europe? Well, well, I think that was a prudent choice. We spent a lot of time thinking about it, discussing it, about whether we should do it. And it was the right public health call. It is the right public health. If you've got a leak in your boat, you you don't just uh, ignore the leak and keep bailing. You try to stop up the leak and bail, and that's exactly what the public health system in this country is doing. They're trying to track down and isolate the existing cases, keep it contained. And the last thing they need is uh, uh, visitors to this country bringing in more cases while they're trying to address the cases that are already here. And then Biden went on, He, you know, he, he finished. He didn't take any questions. Trump, whenever he speaks, he always he always takes questions. He's he's been the most uh, accessible president to the media that I ever remember. But Joe Biden, after he finished his speech, he uh, quickly ushered off the stage. I say quickly, he stumbled off the stage. He looked for all the world like he was going to fall down. And this is how he ended his speech. We have to move and move now. Thank you all for taking the time to be here, and God bless our troops. God bless our troops. Well, yeah, I agree. God bless our troops. I'm not sure that that was the appropriate ending, but he 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 turned away from the microphone, wobbled a bit, steadied himself, and then shuffled off of the stage, looking for all the world like he was suffering from coronavirus already. But I just want to remind you, we've got an airplane going over the, over the studio here. I just want to remind you that, um, you know, Joe Biden um, is a big part of the reason that we find ourselves in this terrible situation with regards to China, where they control 85% of all the pharmaceuticals that are sold in this country and 95% of the antibiotics. Antibiotics are the number one reason that life expectancy has gone up to the point it has. But Joe Biden wants you to believe that, um, you know, it's, it's no problem that, uh, that we've got this dependency for our pharmaceuticals and manufactured goods on China. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not, a, they're, they're, not, they're not competition for us. I guess that's the kind of statements you make when your son got a $1.5 billion investment from the communist-controlled Bank of China that will throw off millions of dollars of commissions to Hunter Biden over the years. 
He steadfastly refused to cooperate with that uh, court in Arkansas that was looking into that paternity case. And instead of coming in there and showing his finances and his sources of income, he finally settled with the former stripper that he had fathered a child with. And you can bet that that young lady got paid. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241-800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. So the Democrats whipped up this panic and they they have a built in advantage when it comes to these kind of things, because the Democrats, there is no amount of free stuff that they are unwilling to promise to the voters. Now, they very rarely deliver on any of that for one reason, because the Republicans are are there to impose some kind of <clears throat> uh, physical discipline. But, uh, but, you know, they have the advantage when it comes to the public relations because they can say, oh, you want this? Yeah, oh, yeah, we'll give you that. We'll give you free income. We'll give you guaranteed government um, jobs. They, and Joe Biden in his address yesterday just came out with a laundry list of free stuff. And, of course, you had Nancy Pelosi up there uh, trying to load up the bill that's designed to address this problem. With uh, pork, she's trying to put on riders for stuff that the Democrats have been trying to get for 25 years, totally unrelated to the coronavirus outbreak. We're going to cover some of that. But um, Biden was very critical of of Trump's response. But there's one person that wasn't critical of the way that the the uh, federal government has been handling this crisis, and that was the Democrat governor of California who uh, had some direct dealings with the administration, and here's what he had to say, Gavin Newsom. Over the past couple of days, President Trump has said that he would prefer if none of the passengers aboard these cruises landed on U.S. soil. Did he mention any of that to you in your conversation? Yeah, we had a co- we had a private conversation, but he said we're going to do the right thing, and you have my support, uh, all of our support, uh, logistically and otherwise. So I, before he made those statements publicly, I had a private conversation with him around 4:30 uh, West Coast time, uh, and he said everything. Uh, that I could have hoped for. Uh, and we had a very long conversation. Uh, and every single thing he said, they followed through on. So, 
If this was Barack Obama in office, none of this panic would be going on. All of this uh, would be tamped down. It would be actually a more appropriate response. But they're, uh, they're trying to whip it up. It's a dim panic. A pandemic dim panic. we got to run out to a break when we come back from these messages. We're going to talk about the coronavirus and its effect on the upcoming election. Talk about who benefits and who loses. And if there are any silver linings with regard to the re-election of Donald Trump. Stick with us. We'll be right back right here on right now on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So one of the biggest sources of anxiety regarding this coronavirus is what effect it's going to have on the upcoming elections and if it's really going to give the Democrats a chance to drag old Joe Biden across the line and install him into the Oval Office. Now, he's not going to be the president. He doesn't have the energy or, at this point, the um, coherentness, if that's a word, to to run that office. So, uh, you know, the Obama crowd are all organizing around this. They're going to they're going to move back in and they're going to take us back to the the years of Obama. And everybody's waiting to see who uh, Biden picks as his vice presidential candidate. I'll bet right now that it is going to be um, Kamala Harris because she's a twofer. She's both a, a woman and a minority. And, and that is what the Democrats assiduously denied uh, for any of the candidates. You know, the first to go were the people of color. They refused to change the rules to allow them on the debate stage. And then as soon as Michael Bloomberg showed up with his billion dollars checkbook, they changed the rules to allow him onto the stage. The same rules that had excluded the previous ones. And then uh, after Joe Biden had a disastrous performance in Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada, he was able to eke out, well, actually he had a big win in South Carolina. 
And, uh, and then the Democrat establishment jawboned the rest of the candidates out of the race and made them uh, endorse old Joe. So then, uh, then the big rallying cry was, there's no more women left on the ticket. There's no more women. Completely ignoring the fact that you still had uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who is both a woman and a, uh, a person of color. I hate that term. <laughs> it implies, and it's designed to be implied, the left uh, controls our language. I need to come up with something else other than people of color or, or minority. Um, it implies that white people have no color. We're just the canvas that the, uh, the diverse mosaic paints on. But I want to talk a little bit about the coronavirus and its effects on the upcoming election, who benefits, who loses, and what the likely outcome will be, at least from my perspective. For one thing, uh, it is going to have a negative effect on Trump because he's not going to be able to engage in these rallies. These rallies were key in 2016 for Donald Trump being able to, to bypass the negative coverage in the mainstream media when it showed that uh, the broad cross-section of the American public was hungry for the message, the America First message and agenda that he was promising, when they were showing up at rallies in huge numbers, waiting in line for literally days in inclement weather, and uh, if they couldn't get in, they were, uh, they were enjoying themselves outside watching on big-screen TVs. It appears that Donald Trump is going to have to cancel that. He has recently canceled upcoming rallies in Wisconsin and Colorado and Nevada. And if he did try to have any sort of rally, uh, of course, he would be condemned for it. <laughs> You've got the, uh, the National Basketball Association canceling their season, which I'm not terribly torn up about, but I am going to miss March Madness. We have our own form of March Madness going on, but I liked the uh, the basketball tournament March Madness better. And, uh, and this was predicted a couple of weeks ago by Rahm Emanuel, the, uh, the former Obama chief of staff who famously said, let no crisis go to waste. Never let a crisis go to waste. And he was gloating about uh, Trump at that point, probably having to cancel his rallies. And I think here's what's going to be devastating for Donald Trump. Beyond the fact that this requires science, management, data, and and being transparent, which are all his weaknesses, you're going to have a point within about two months where you cannot have big events together. If you look at presidential history, Franklin Roosevelt used to drive out in the country to get out. President Bush, 41, was on a speedboat. That Bush and Ronald Reagan would cut, obviously go to their ranches. He is not going to be able to have his rallies. And it is going to psychologically, the office is isolating enough. And his inability to get the admiration, the adulation from that crowd is going to psychologically torment him. And his isolation is going to get more intense and his tweets are going to get more vicious. He has been. (laughs) So Rahm Emanuel is celebrating the fact that Donald Trump is not going to be able to interact with the American voters. And, uh, and I think it will uh, sort of uh, be depressing for Donald Trump because he's constantly under assault. 
by the swamp in Washington and the mainstream media. And, uh, and the way he sort of recharges his batty, batteries, replenishes his virtue, is to, to go out to these rallies and find out that, yeah, the policies that he's pursuing are wildly popular, despite what the swamp and the media are representing. So uh, Emmanuel probably has a point that, uh, that this is going to be a hardship for the Trump campaign. It's going to be a net plus, of course, for the Democrats. Because as um, the president says in this clip, uh, nobody shows up to their rallies anyway. Well, I think uh, the Democrats uh, won't be having rallies, but nobody showed up to their rallies anyway. So what difference is it? And if Joe Biden, as probably almost certainly will happen, is the nominee, Nobody's going to go to a Joe Biden rally. First of all, he he couldn't stand on the stage, especially if he tried to do multiples of these rallies. He couldn't stand on these stages uh, longer than about 10 minutes. Yesterday, he did 18 minutes and nearly fell down walking away from the microphone. So that's going to be a net plus for the Democrats. But And, and of course, they've got uh, social media, so they're going to... Uh, the tech titans in Silicon Valley are going to be doing everything they can, can to suppress Trump on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. So they're going to they're going to try to eliminate uh, the the voters from <laughs> from the campaign at least. And of course, the Demo- Democrats are already trying to eliminate their voters from their primary contests. They're calling for uh, the the remaining primaries and debates to be shut down. They're claiming that democracy requires it. Democracy requires that they stop the voting and, uh, and get old Bernie to drop out. Uh, and of course we've got the debates. How is the coronavirus going to affect these upcoming debates? Uh, I guess they'll hold debates without a studio audience and they'll just have Trump up there against Joe Biden. Donald Trump absolutely needs to insist that these debates be hosted and moderated by Fox News. The Democrats uh, forbid any of their debates from being held by Fox News, and as a result, they uh, they faced some pretty easy questions, and none of the, uh, the big issues that uh, the vast majority of American citizens uh, are concerned about were were broached. So, what effect will the coronavirus and uh, and no audience have on the debates? I think as long as Donald Trump requires these debates to be two hours, that uh, it will uh, expose Joe Biden as as not being not having the stamina or the energy and not uh, not having the coherence to really occupy that office. So I would say that uh, the debates will probably cut in favor of Donald Trump in spite of there being no studio audience. One of the big issues is uh, what effect will it have on voting next year? I know a lot of elderly people are des- are already signed up to vote absentee or to vote by mail, but uh, a, a, a sizable number still turn out on election day just as, you know, part of their routine. 
And you have to ask uh, if uh, if older voters who are far more likely to vote Republican are going to be willing to show up at the polls and wait in these uh, these long lines and expose themselves to these virus. So the Trump campaign needs to get ahead of that and start reminding people that they can vote absentee and by mail and to uh, to go ahead and get signed up for that. Bernie Sanders rec- uh, counted on the the vote of the Utes to uh, to you know show up on election day, and they didn't. They never have. Every four years, we hear about how the the youth vote is going to turn out and push the Democrats over the top, but they never, in fact, show up. One of the big issues is the health of these candidates. You know, both of these guys are in their 70s. Uh, Trump is, I think, five years younger than Biden. And just, you know, chronologically, uh, physically, he is much younger. I, I think you'd have to admit that Donald Trump is probably more like a man energy-wise and health-wise in his early 50s than he is a man in his early 70s. And Joe Biden, who uh, would be approaching 80 years old if he won this election, uh, he is every bit of his 78 years. Every bit of it, and then some. He is not one of these older people that you uh, can say is sharp as a tack. And there is a real possibility that one of these candidates or both of them could uh, contract the coronavirus during this campaign. I don't think you can actually conduct a presidential campaign without interacting with people. And uh, if the president uh, uh, gets it, he is far more likely to recover from it than old Joe Biden. And I think that's a, a very real reason why Bernie Sanders is not dropping out of this race. Because really anything could happen. So we don't know how it's going to come out. I think as a net uh, that the president is going to be able to overcome the obstacles that the coronavirus faces and in fact will uh, uh, enjoy several advantages from it. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about silver linings to this whole coronavirus. I know that's not politic to talk about. But there are some some positives to come out of this, and we'll talk about that right after these messages. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. 
Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. Well, we're in the early stages of this uh, This coronavirus outbreak, the Wuhan virus outbreak, and we don't know how bad it's going to get. If you compare it to previous viral outbreaks, uh, there's every reason to believe that this is not going to be the the civilization-ending disaster that the Democrats are trying to convince us that it will be. It has a lower mortality rate than the SARS virus and is, uh, is less communicable than H1N1. But I, I'm going to venture into some territory that's probably not, uh, you know, very politically correct, and that is there are some silver linings to this coronavirus. You know, I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness, and as long as we're here, we might as well uh, consider at least the uh, the positive results. And the biggest one is I think people are finally waking up to the very real threat that our disastrous trade relationships with communist China poses and whose thirst for cheap labor knows no bounds are going to have to start recognizing that uh, being entirely dependent on China for their goods and supplies was a very, very bad idea to begin with. And especially, as I mentioned earlier, allowing them to take control of critical parts of our economy like pharmaceuticals and uh, and uh, information technology was uh, one of the stupidest things that our ruling class has ever allowed to happen. So we can look forward, I think, to uh, manufacturing, especially with regard uh, in this age of robotics, of uh, coming back to the United States, that'll uh, further tighten the job market and uh, and maybe restore a better equilibrium to our economy, where you know you have employers competing for the available labor supply, which will result in rising wages. One of the big ones is that I think it's going to impress even. A lot of the Democrats who, uh, you know, believe in this open borders ideology, or at least a lot of their voters, how critical borders are to national security. And national security is not just militarily, but it is also allowing, you know, people to just walk into your country without any health screenings, to drive down the cost of uh, labor and uh, pose uh, both a health threat and a public safety threat to our nation, even in this environment, you've got the Democrats running around saying, oh, viruses respect no borders. Well, yeah, they do, actually, because if you keep an infected person outside of your borders, then they can't infect people inside your borders. And and this president has, uh, has done something that uh, no other presidents have had the stones to do, and that is to shut off travel from these highly infected areas in order to allow our public health professionals to try to uh, get back ahead of the curve in containing this virus. So, yeah, I think, uh, 
I think this is going to put the lie to the Democrats' constant refrain that uh, open borders pose no threat. Oh, S.K. Thompson, who's a, a listener to the show, pointed out to me that uh, the reason Italy is suffering such a, a crisis in this is because uh, in northern Italy, many Italians sold their uh, leather goods and textile companies to China, took a big profit and took a walk. And then the government of Italy, not the Salvini government, but the government prior to that, allowed in over 100,000 Chinese workers to move to Italy to work in these factories. And guess where those workers were from? Yep. Wuhan, China. And they offered direct flights from Italy to Wuhan. And now northern Italy was the the hot spot for the outbreak of this Wuhan virus. And it has spread throughout the entire country and Italy as a result of this foolish decision. The whole nation is now in quarantine. But the Democrats and their mouthpieces in the media are insisting that uh, any attempt by the president to secure our borders in light of this virus is xenophobic and racist. Here's Jim Acosta on fake news CNN. The speech that was expected. I think that is the speech that was expected. I think it it went well beyond what any of us really thought. I I don't think many of us were expecting the president to announce a travel ban from Europe. uh, I should have set up this clip a little better. This is uh, Jim Acosta talking with Fredo about uh, Trump's Oval Office address uh, day before yesterday. Expected. I think that is the speech that was expected. I think it, it went well beyond what any of us really thought. I, I don't think many of us were expecting the president to announce a travel ban from Europe uh, for 30 days starting at Friday uh, at midnight. Uh, that is stunning. That is that is going to cause major disruptions uh, to the travel industry, and it is going to cause all kinds of problems that we uh, haven't seen since the Trump administration tried its travel ban uh, very early on in the administration. We saw people waiting at the airport and so on, wondering if loved ones are going to get back from Europe. So I, it is going to be interesting to find out what the details are for the administration officials in terms of how they're going to implement that. The other thing, Chris, that I think we should point out at one point during this address uh the president referred to the coronavirus as a quote foreign virus uh that that i think was interesting because as i was talking to sources earlier this evening one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight wanted to get across to americans is that this virus did not start here uh but that they're dealing with it now why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus that is something we'll also be asking questions about but it it should be pointed out that stephen miller uh who is an immigration hardliner who advises the president is uh, one of his top domestic policy advisors and speechwriters right. uh, was a driving force in writing this speech. And I right. think it's going to smack, uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia. 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 An unrational fear of xenos, I guess. I mean, or the reason he called it a foreign virus is because he instituted this travel ban and wanted to illustrate that the virus was coming into the United States from overseas. And of course, the the new Democrat talking line is to point out that this virus originated in China is somehow racist. And to even call it a Chinese virus 
or a Wuhan virus is hate speech. Only problem is, before they adopted that tact, they were all doing it themselves. Here's Fredo, who Jim Acosta was talking to in that clip, doing that very thing. This- oh, uh, let me get this clip here. Here we go. It's all happening at a time that we're starting to see a message shift here because you're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame. Well, you know who else called it the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus? A whole parade of talking heads on fake news CNN. Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities (laughs) or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan. Wuhan uh, coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. From the Wuhan uh, coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. <laughs> Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. <laughs> so when CNN calls it the Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese virus, no big deal. Trump points out that or any of the members of his administration or any of the people on Fox News call it that and is somehow racist and xenophobic. I love that. I mean, how stupid can these people be? I mean, do they not watch their own shows on their own network? I wish I had found a clip of uh, Fredo calling it the Wuhan coronavirus, but uh, I wasn't able to find that. But I was able to find the uh, other media outlets. Here's Samantha B on her so-called comedy show, which doesn't have a laugh contained in it, talking about this very issue. Tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. It's a mighty, mighty racist boss tone. I hear Stephen Miller in this foreign virus setting up travel bans for the outside invasion of the disease. That's not the, the way Chinese it's... coronavirus. Yeah, that they've that's been not the first U.S. case of Chinese coronavirus. The Chinese coronavirus. Uh, this is coming as the Chinese coronavirus. China's coronavirus outbreak china's coronavirus outbreak anxiety the death toll nearly doubles in china's coronavirus outbreak china's coronavirus just how bad is china's coronavirus crisis china's coronavirus outbreak china's coronavirus outbreak china's coronavirus outbreak china's oh man if the democrats didn't have double standards they wouldn't have any standards at all So over in the House of Representatives, the Democrats, led by um, old Nancy Pelosi, are rushing to try to load up any bill in response to the coronavirus with all of their favorite pork projects, projects that they've been trying to pass for 25 years. The president pointed out it's not a way for them to get some of these goodies that they haven't been able to get in the past 25 years. But Nancy Pelosi is uh, is pushing forward with that. She's actually trying to uh, stuff more funding for abortion into the coronavirus response bill. The president is uh, resisting, and so is um, 
the minority leader in the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, who points out that they're even trying to put the Social Security Administration in response to the coronavirus. Here's one glaring problem. Under Pelosi's bill, the Social Security Administration will be set up to administer the paid sick leave program. Now, this will take more than six months, so it won't work in time. It also will hamper the administration from um, putting out Social Security for those who need it right now that are in harm's way. This will hurt the very population that we're supposed to be helping. So they're going back to their old uh, playbook, never let a good crisis go to waste. And they're they're loading up with riders that, uh, you know, they're going to get funding for all of their favorite pork projects having nothing whatsoever to do with coronavirus. This is why we need that line item veto uh, for the president. Almost every governor in the nation, I think maybe every governor in the nation has a line item veto that he can he can uh, veto uh, parts of a bill and then send it back to the legislation, uh, the legislative body to, uh, to, to reconsider. But uh, one of the reasons we're $22 trillion in debt is because the president doesn't have a line item veto. And, and as a result, we, we suffer from this, this spending ratchet where they, uh, they just keep adding on and keep adding on. One of the big um, criticisms that the administration has taken is that they they didn't roll out these testing kits any earlier. And uh, there have been some missteps on that. We should have turned it over to the private sector far sooner uh, to allow the market to uh, to roll these out. But the Trump uh, uh, President Trump took to Twitter this morning and and said that in fact, the, uh, the responsibility for that uh, is with the Obama administration. They proposed changes to uh, the CDC for these testing, but they never followed through on it. And this is the first time that the president has been faced with a pandemic, and he's addressing it. And this week, they're expected to roll out 4 million of these tests. The truth of the matter is they're going to treat you exactly the same if you show up with the symptoms of the coronavirus, whether they know you have it or not. Well, that's about it for today's show and this week on America and Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again next week right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.